Welcome into the Rob Logic podcast, talking some Major League Baseball ahead of the World Series. I'm joined by former intern at the station, Ryan. How's everything going, man? Oh, it's going pretty great. I mean, this World Series matchup this year is a little bit unfortunate coming from a Braves fan standpoint, but it's definitely going to be an exciting one for sure. For those of you that don't know, Ryan is a pretty big baseball head. He's a, he's a Braves fan. So, you know, really, really exciting stuff last year, this year, kind of a disappointment, and I don't think this is really a matchup that anybody predicted ahead of the year with the Houston Astros. I think a lot of people probably did predict the Astros on the American League side, but on the National League side, it is the Philadelphia Phillies. It's not the New York Mets, it's not the Atlanta Braves, not the Los Angeles Dodgers. How did the Phillies kind of end up messing everything up as far as predictions go in the National League? Well, I think it's really uh, really interesting to point out that if we were still playing in last year's format, the Phillies aren't even in the playoffs. This is a team that won 87 games, just barely got into the playoffs, snagging that final spot. And then, as they always say, every year there always seems to be that one team that you never really would think twice about but make that run deep into the playoffs. I think the Braves were kind of like that last year, even though they won their division. You know, a lot of people didn't think that they were going to get to the World Series, let alone win the whole entire thing. But I think the Phillies are this year's Cinderella team. They proved that you don't need to be just this stacked team like the Dodgers or the Astros or you know whoever. All you have to do is just get hot, get some momentum, and ride your pitching. And the Phillies have proven that they, they have the pitching to get it done. They've been relying on Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler. Ranger Suarez has really stepped up. And another thing is their bullpen. Their bullpen has stepped up, too, even though their bullpen's got a lot of criticism throughout the year. But they're stepping up when it really counts. Philly was dead in the water back in May. Have to go through managerial change and everything. But we've seen this from National League East teams in particular. I mean... Washington Nationals a few years back come to mind when everybody was calling for their manager to be fired, Dave Martinez, and then they're able to go on a run and win a World Series. But for Philly, how have they been able to do it when, I mean, defensively, they've kind of really picked it up here in the postseason for a team that we all know about the bats, but defensively, a lot of holes. Honestly... I have to be completely honest with you. It is blowing my mind that the Phillies are able to make this deep of a run. That's what I've been saying throughout this whole postseason. I'm like, how are they able to do this with this bullpen and with this defense? I mean, you have Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos as two <laughs> of your outfielders. But I don't know. They're just they're shocking the world right now. I, I really can't give you a definitive answer on how they're able to do this with this defense. But I guess... <laughs> You just got to give the the pitching credit. I mean, I guess they're they're getting ground balls or striking guys out. Those guys like Schwarber and Castellanos probably aren't having a whole lot of defensive plays. That's really the only thing I can give you as far as that goes. And just as a baseball fan myself, I've not always been a huge fan of Bryce Harper, but what he's done this year, multiple injuries that he's kind of been playing through all season long, he's caught fire at the – at the right time, and it really feels like he's he's carry, he's putting this team on his back, and he doesn't care about what anybody has to say. He doesn't care that they're going to be playing the Houston Astros. He's Bryce Harper, and there's a reason why he got that giant contract from the Phillies a few years back. 
Yeah, exactly. That's why they dished out that big contract. The Phillies, if you remember, like in the mid-2010s, the Phillies were consistently one of the worst teams in baseball. I think they finally just said enough. We're going to spend big. We're going to try to, you know, we're going to try to still bring up some young guys of our own, but we're going to be very active in the free agent market. And we've seen a lot of that because not only Harper, but, you know, Schwarber, Castellanos, Zach Wheeler, and I'm sure I'm, I might be even forgetting a couple guys. JT Real Muto was a trade, but still another outside acquisition that they made. And they've really built a pretty interesting team. I mean, they, they're mashing their way. They've mashed their way to the World Series, maybe even going to win it. So, and But going back to Harper, yeah, the UCL tear, I believe, is the injury that he had. And had to miss some time. And hasn't been able to play the field since. Obviously, we would see Cassiano's DH and Harper would be playing right field if the Phillies got that choice, but they don't want to risk a, a more serious injury to Harper. But and was it the was it a broken hand or broken finger when he got hit uh, by a pitch there? I think it was in, yeah. in July after he had come back. Yeah, it was something like that. I just remember it was Blake Snell that hit that hit Harper, and. I can't remember exactly like where it hit him, but I remember that that's that's what had to knock him out for some time. And five home runs for Bryce Harper here this postseason for the Phillies. And I'm gonna do this again a little bit later on. But for the Phillies, what's it gonna take for uh, Philly to win a World Series against a very stacked Houston Astros team? I think simply you just keep riding your momentum. I mean they. You don't get to this point by accident. I mean, you have to have a good amount of talent to make it to the World Series. And it's just like the rest of the postseason. All you got to do is just punch your ticket. While the Phillies have punched their ticket to with the World Series, anybody has a shot when they get to that point. Then they have, you know, they got Nola, they got Wheeler. I mean, they have, they have the pitching to get it done. And they always say offense wins you games, pitching wins championships. And... I mean, you, you got to kind of like the Phillies in this. I mean, I know everybody's saying it's all about the Astros, and honestly, rightfully so. But the Phillies are a very intriguing team. And I'll tell you this, too. They remind me a lot of the 2019 Nationals. Because if you remember, the 2019 Nationals, n- not, the, not the best World Series team you've ever seen, but they had Max Scherzer, they had Steven Strasburg, and they rode those two guys to the World Series. And the Bryce Harper this year was kind of like Juan Soto back in 2019. I mean, all you got to do is just have a few key pieces like that, getting hot all at the right time, and you, you never know what's going to happen. And that's what makes baseball great. Now for the Astros, uh, one of the teams in the league that doesn't strike out a whole lot, does that make you nervous at all when you talk about picking Philly just because with an understanding that – that defense that we kind of talked about with some of those holes is going to have to field quite a quite a bit of balls. Yeah, I know. I that's that's the one thing I still worry about with the Phillies, and it's like I said, it's the one thing that kind of surprises me a little bit on how they were able to make it this far with that defense. But I mean, they just keep proving me wrong, man. I was like, oh, there's no way they're going to get past the Cardinals, and they swept the Cardinals. Then I was like, okay, well, this is going to be easy for the Braves. And they beat the they beat the Braves in four games, and then they have no problems against the Padres. It's just like, you know, I kind of I mean they they have the pieces. I understand that, but it, part of me is also kind of like, 
how are they doing this? Pitching's like, supposed to win in October. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, those you're talking about the Braves, you're talking about the Padres had a really hot bullpen, and it didn't matter when it came to the, these bats on the Phillies. Yeah, I know. I mean, they're just they're just that team of destiny. That's really they just remind me so much of the 19 Nationals. And when you look at the Houston Astros, what's it going to take for the Astros to win um, another World Series here? Well, one of the big stories with the Astros has been Jeremy Pena, Carlos Correa's He's replacement. A He's a stud. I mean. <laughs> These guys have got to be playing with so much confidence. I mean, they're undefeated so far in the postseason. I mean, I know I understand the Phillies probably have some confidence, but the Astros, I mean, they haven't lost a single game. You know, and Jordan Alvarez has been playing out of his mind, especially against the Mariners in that series. And you want you want to talk about the Phillies pitching? Well, how about the Astros pitching? Verlander and Framber Valdez had two of the best seasons in the majors. Verlander probably had the best season overall of any starting pitcher in the league. And their bullpen has been lights out, too. Against the Yankees, I mean, they just, every on all facets of the game, the Astros just dominated the Yankees. So they're going to ride into this series hot. So I think the key takeaway for the Phillies and the Astros both, it's all about momentum and realizing that you got to be a good team to make the World Series, and they've got the pieces to get it done. The Astros have an outstanding lineup, too. I mean, it's just a very complete team. If you're Dusty Baker, obviously you're going to be throwing Justin Verlander in Game 1 of the World Series. But with some of his postseason struggles uh, recently, do you think about maybe throwing Valdez instead there in Game 1? Is that the guy that you want to start and kind of set the tone, tone against this Phillies team? It might be pretty tempting, but I think you just... You gotta stick with Verlander. I still He's think the it's horse. A, it's the it's horse. a no brainer. I mean, going to Valdez wouldn't be a bad move per se, but you know Verlander's had a sub two ERA on the year. I understand he had that blip against the Mariners, but that's gonna happen to anyone from time to time. He he's the guy. And even though the Astros, you know, swept the Mariners, swept the Yankees. I mean, they were battle-tested this postseason. They had to fight back uh, a couple of times, and they've managed to answer that call whenever they've needed to. Yes, they did. I th and that is worth pointing out how if it wasn't for a couple of clutch home runs by Jordan Alvarez, that series against the Mariners may have gone a completely different direction. But... The Mariners was a team that everybody wanted to... I, including <laughs> me. I wish, I wish we were sitting here talking about the Mariners right now instead of the Astros, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> I mean, that, that series went the way it did with Alvarez and Pena clutching up. But then you see them play against the Yankees, and that's when you start thinking, okay, no, this team, is, this team isn't just lucky. Like, this team is, is legit. They create their own luck. This is a good team. Yep. And, I mean, Dusty Baker, as far as managers go, really don't get any better than that. I would give the Astros probably a huge advantage as far as managers are concerned when you're talking about the World Series matchup. Yeah, I know. Dusty Baker is just, I don't know how you could dislike that guy. I mean, he's... It's on the wristbands alone, you know? I mean, And he's got the <laughs> toothpick. You can't forget it. When you talk about Dusty you know, Baker, you, you can't forget the about the toothpick. It's like Terry toothpick. Francona and his gum, man. Dusty Baker and his toothpick. 
But man, he has just had such a great presence just in baseball. I'm so glad he's back managing again. We all know the Astros are a team I don't really care for too much, but you know I don't care. I'm so glad to see him back in the game again. And I think he's really kind of the best blend of old school with some of the new school oh, yeah. as far as the analytics go and really understanding exactly how to, you know, kind of toe that line because I know everybody wants to talk about the analytics this, analytics that, but at the end of the day, sometimes you need that old school experience to get you a win, uh, you know, with some of the moves that you're making. Yeah, that's that's great that you brought that up because we see that people live and die by analytics so much these days. Kevin Cash. And, yeah, Kevin Cash (laughs) big time. But... The World Series last year, you know, the two managers were Brian Snitker and the aforementioned Dusty Baker, two very old-school guys. They probably rely on analytics whenever they need to, but they also believe in, you know, the way baseball's been played the last 100 years, too. And I think that we're finally seeing that that's really that's really the recipe for success I think and I also think that's why you're seeing guys like Terry Francona still sticking around the Rangers make that higher with Bruce Bochy I mean these are these are old school guys yes but they do turn to analytics when they need to but they're not like Kevin Cash they don't rely so much on them and live and die by those and you know this might be a hot take but I think the the old school way with a little touch of analytics, I think that's the way to go. I think those are the kind of managers that you got to go with these days. Well, and Terry Francona, he's going against all the analytics. He doesn't oh, care know. about the home runs. No, we're going to put the ball in play. We're <laughs> not going to strike out and all that stuff. And obviously for Cleveland, it uh, didn't look like it the in the preseason that uh, you know this team would be able to make much of a run, but ended up being the top team in the Central despite – Chicago White Sox having all the talent. My poor Minnesota Twins going out and getting Carlos Correa in the offseason. That doesn't matter. It's Cleveland's division and, you know, for the Guardians. Um, I think Terry Francona, he gets it, and uh, he's, he's a pretty good coach. And as a baseball purist myself, I really enjoy watching the way that Terry Francona teams always play the game with, uh, you know, that you're going to have that solid pitching, great defense, and then – as far as the hitters go, they're, they're not going to strike out a whole lot. But kind of got off on a little tangent there. But, um, you know, when, when you look at this World Series matchup between the Astros and the Phillies, um, do you think that with each of these managers, um, you know, if Verlander is able to pitch pretty well in game one, is there a chance that we see, you know, uh, potentially Verlander and Nola coming out of the pen there in a game seven if it gets to that point, if, uh, you know, when, when all bets are off? I think absolutely. Whenever you get to game seven, you know, you got to pull out all the stops. And this also, this reminds me of back in 2019 also, something that I think Astros fans will be wondering what if until the end of time. If A.J. Hinch had used Garrett Cole instead of, what was it, Will Harris that he brought out and gave up the Howie Kendrick home run? Yeah. If he would have brought out Garrett Cole, I think, (laughs) I don't think it's silly to believe that the Astros probably would have won that World Series. 
Cole was pitching yeah. out of his mind the entire season. 100%. And honestly, I think he should have won Cy Young over Verlander, but that's that's another topic in and of itself. But um yeah, I think you you got to you got to go with your ace out of the bullpen if you need to. As a and, fan, I think we'd love to see Nolan Verlander three times, uh, you know, in a seven-game series. Oh, if that it, would, if, it, if it could happen, I mean, <laughs> that would be. But epic. We, we've seen some managers, you know, do that, and I think, um, you know, some of the Dodgers' problems in some of those World Series with uh, kind of the repetitive nature of bringing in. Um, I go back to the World Series that Houston won, bringing in out the same guys in the bullpen game after game. You know, by game four, Houston's kind of dialed in on. Those guys, I think if you're able to bring a Ver, Verlander out of the bullpen for maybe an inning or two in a game six or game seven, I think, you know, it kind of gives a little bit of a different look, and you might need that against this uh, Phillies offense. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. I mean, you have to pull out all the stops. And one other thing I wanted to bring up about, like, bringing a starting pitcher in game seven of the World Series, there is no finer example than that of that than – when Bruce Bochy brought out Madison Bumgarner in Game Seven in 2014. Oh yeah, I remember now, that. Now I'm from I Kansas. About that. I love the Royals, <laughs> and it, oh my, oh my gosh, it was it was terrible living in that in that time, and seeing Bumgarner just carving up the Royals. But I look back on that now, and I was thinking that was absolutely historic what we saw there, and you know it's you got to bring out whoever is the hot hand, and. You know, if on the flip side of Verlander or Aaron Nola are struggling in the World Series, they don't really they didn't really seem to have their best stuff in their starts, then I think maybe you go with somebody different. But it's it's just the hot hand. I don't care if it's a closing pitcher, a starting pitcher, or whoever. If you have a lead late in game seven, you just gotta bring out who's been doing the best job at that point. Four predictions. Who you got and how many games? I've actually thought about this a lot. But, and I really, really want to say the Phillies because, again, they they just remind me so much of the 2019 Nationals. But then I just think about how, you know, complete of a team the Astros are, and it's really tough to pick against them, too. But when it's all said and done, I'm going to say that it's going to go all seven games, but the Astros are going to come out on top. I think the Phillies will take him to seven. Interesting. But the Astros are going to end up winning in the end. Yeah, see, I, I have a feeling this is going to be the uh, the Astros series to win. Um, I think it'll go seven games just like yourself. I thought you were going to take the Phillies, but um, I think it's going to be a to. great series. And um, fortunately, I think for baseball fans everywhere, I think this is, this is a really great matchup, one that nobody predicted. And at the end of the day, it kind of gets away from – the Dodgers being there every year, the <laughs> so uh, I think you know that's that's ultimately good for baseball in the end. But when you uh, kind of look at the off season for all the other teams, Rangers making moves already by bringing in Bruce Bochy. I know we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but how does that really kind of shake up the American League West when you look at the 2023 season? Well, it's definitely a step in the right direction if you're the Rangers, but they also have to have the pitching to get it done. You know, Bruce Bochy is is incredible at managing a pitching staff. I think we all know that. But you're not going to be able to accomplish a whole lot if you don't have the pitchers to get it done. So it's really going to depend on what the Rangers do in the offseason. 
you know? I've even heard them be floated around as a potential destination for, like, Jacob deGrom. Now, I don't know about that, but I could see them making a play for somebody like a Carlos Rodon. And I think I've heard that they're already kicking the tires on him. That'd be a great start. If you're the Rangers, you kind of have to, right? Because of all the money that you've invested into that infield already mm-hmm. over the last couple of offseason. They spent a lot of money. You don't want it to go to waste by having a pitching staff that can't really back up some of those big bats that you've acquired. Yeah, exactly. They've got, oh, I think it's like, what, half a billion dollars committed to Seager and Simeon alone. So, Woof. I mean, they got us... <laughs> Wolf is right. <laughs> Wolf is right. I think they gotta they gotta go just go for it now. You know, you've got you've got the middle infield anchored down. You got Nate Lowe over at first. I'm sorry, I think he prefers to go by Nathaniel Lowe now. You got Josh Young, who came up late last year but is already making an impact. You know, they have they have some intriguing pieces on that team. And but we all know we all know they're gonna score the runs. They need to get the pitching. And, you know, I don't know how much money they're willing to spend on their pitching staff. I know you got John Gray coming back, who I think also has kind of a big contract um, tied to him. But, I don't know, they're going to be an intri- in a very intriguing team to watch this offseason because I think they realize that they aren't that far away and they were historically bad in one-run losses last year. That's a lot of games that could have gone the other way. So, well, we're going to end up seeing what they do. They're going to be a team to definitely keep an eye on. Now, when you talk about the offseason coming up, a lot of big names that will be free agents, specifically this shortstop market, Mm. um, where do you think some of the bigger names are going to land uh, over the winter? Oh, this is always so tough. But this might be the Braves' homer in me, but I, I feel like, and I know I've told you this before, I feel like they, as far as the Braves are concerned, they need to just re-sign Swanson, get him back. He's a Georgia guy. He's been there the last several years. Just keep that core together and and then try it again next year. Don't they? I don't think they need somebody like a Carlos Correa or a Trey Turner. I mean, I'd be okay with either one of those guys. Trust me on that. But I feel like Swanson's the guy. But now just looking at the rest of them, like the Trey Turners, the Carlos Correas, the Xander Bogarts. He doesn't get talked about enough. No, he doesn't. And <laughs> no team didn't want him. It's you know? just <laughs> like last year. It's just like last year with all those shortstops. And it's so hard to – it's just so hard to guess on where some of these guys are going to land because then you'll have somebody like Javier Baez sign with the Tigers out of nowhere. Yep. But – and Carlos Correa signed with the Twins out of nowhere. I mean, it's just impossible to predict. But I, f- I almost feel like the Mariners are kind of a team to watch. That's I like the Mariners with Carlos Correa. That's, that's kind of what I've been thinking um, in my head. I think uh, you'd, you'd have quite a few storylines out of that, obviously being in the same division as the Astros mm-hmm. and, and everything. But if you're the Mariners, Carlos Correa to pair with, um, you know, we looked at why the Twins went out and got Correa. That was to sure things up uh, in the middle. So you're able to have Carlos Correa at short, Byron Buxton there in center field. Mariners, if you're able to do that, I think, uh, you know, you could slide Crawford over to second. Um, but I, I really like the Mariners 
potentially making a splash in the offseason at, at the shortstop position with one of the plenty options that, that will be out there. But I do think um, this market, I'm guessing it'll probably be Correa or Turner will probably be the first two dominoes to fall and kind of just set that line as far as where and what the deals are going to be for the rest of the shortstops. Now, I mean, Dansby Swanson could be the first to sign, but I think that that if he does, it'll be because he's going back to Atlanta. Yeah, I really hope that's what ends up happening too. You know, I can't stress enough. Like, I am not anti-Trey Turner or Carlos Correa. Like, it, it'd be great to have either one of those guys playing for the Braves. But but why not keep what you already have? That's that's what I'm saying. It's I mean, just there. Keep, keep the core together, you know. Alex Anthopoulos has already extended so much of that team already. Um, it just feels right to have Swanson coming back out of shortstop again next year. And for the, you know, we talk about Swanson, but I think, you know, for the Yankees, like, you've got to pay Aaron Judge whatever he asks. Yeah. Because, and, and I think for Aaron Judge, I don't think he makes sense, as crazy as it sounds, in a whole lot of places compared to New York. Like, his his biggest value is going to be to the New York Yankees compared to any other team in baseball. Well, the Yankees will just become the biggest laughing stock, too, in the in the majors if they don't make a serious run, at least, and trying to get Judge back. They need to – they really just need to give him a blank check. Just, you know, if the Yankees – or if Aaron Judge didn't have the kind of season he did, Yankees might not even be in the playoffs, to be honest with you. Maybe they just barely get in as one of those wild card teams, but you know Aaron Judge means so much to that team. The fans—I know they booed him a lot, but the fans love him there. They were singing him "Happy Birthday" back on his birthday earlier this year, and proceeded to hit a home run while they were doing that. It's just—it just—it's like Swanson. It feels right to have Judge playing in New York. I just don't want to see that be another Freddie Freeman type situation. If Judge doesn't stay in New York, I see. Padres, Dodgers potentially is uh, landing spots for him where just open up the checkbook and, you know, let's do whatever, maybe the Mets, stay in New York. I mean, I, I feel like, Judge, he's got to be at a place like New York or Los Angeles where the lights shine the brightest uh, at the end of the day because um, he's obviously proven that it doesn't really matter where he's at. He can, He's going to be able to get the job done and, He's just kind of this larger-than-life baseball character, too, in the league that you don't always see come across. But this is a really cool era that we're in. We've got Shohei Otani, Aaron Judge. Really, really cool for baseball. Yeah, exactly. And I think he is going to end up going to, you know, if not the Yankees, it will be somebody like the Dodgers or the Mets, one of those big market teams that just spend, spend, spend. Not always responsibly, but that's what they do. They spend money. And at the end of the day, I think Judge is going back to the Yankees. I don't think Hal Steinbrenner is going to let him leave. I just don't see that happening. But if he does leave, it, I think you're right. He's not, he's not going to go to some obscure place. He's going to go to, like, the Dodgers or the Mets, one of those big market teams. Now, I have to bring this up because the Twins kind of changed the way free agency was done last year by coming out of nowhere to sign Carlos Correa with the player options there for, you know, a couple years and then just kind of go with the high-value, short-term deal. 
who do you think could be this year's Minnesota Twins by making a splash with paying a guy 35 mil plus that we wouldn't normally think of? Hmm, that's actually kind of a tough question. But for some reason, one team that does come to mind is maybe the Giants. You know, we just saw them win 107 games last year. They made a lot of noise, and all of a sudden they come back down to earth. But the Giants, the Giants fan base are not going to be satisfied with that. They're like, no, we just, we just won 107 games, had one of the best seasons in our franchise history. Like that does, that's not a fluke. And they like, didn't really sell at the trade deadline either. No, they did. Kind of kept everybody intact right there in San Francisco. And I think you might see like Farhan Zaidi just say, you know what? We're gonna go for it. We're gonna spend some money this off season. We're gonna make some. We're gonna make some big splashes on the free agent market, and we're gonna try to give the Dodgers a run for their money again. And you know, what do you think of that? What do you think about the Giants making a big play for somebody? I like the Giants, but I'm actually gonna stay in the NL West. Um, love all your reasoning and everything, but I have a feeling the Rockies are Diamondbacks. I feel like they're always due for. <laughs> an obscure free agent signing every five years, and then they end up trading them away, you know, after a couple of seasons. So I, I would look at maybe, you know, Colorado, you know, maybe landing one of the big shortstops, potentially. I mean, uh, if you are if you are a player going to Colorado, um, I know Iglesias had a really good year and everything, but... If you're a player, if they offer you, you know, like a one or two year deal around that 40 mil range where you can kind of pump up those Coors Field stats, <laughs> why don't you do it? And then get the long term deal after that. Oh, yeah. I think if if you're a free agent hitter, the Rockies are always going to be a, you know, intriguing place to go to and a very attractive place to go to. But I think if you're the Rockies, on the flip side of that, you're a little bit weary on those big free agent deals, strictly because you know we don't know how close they are. The Rockies are a team I just can't figure out with the moves that they make. You know, are they going for it? Are they trying to rebuild? I don't know exactly what they're doing, but they did make a big free agent signing last off season with Chris Bryant. And I know we're only a year into that, but that's looking like a big mistake. It does. It does. So, And, you know, when I mentioned the Diamondbacks, I think when I look at them, um, obviously everybody wants to talk about the Giants, the Padres, the Dodgers, but there's a lot of young talent on this Diamondbacks team that maybe if you do add a couple of big free agents, um, you know, they could make some noise in the NL West. Yeah, I like the Diamondbacks a lot more than the Rockies just because the I just can't figure the Rockies out. I mean, maybe they do. Maybe they make a big play. I don't know. I never know what the Rockies are going to do. But the Diamondbacks, like you said, they have they have a lot of guys flying under the radar right now. They have it has brought up Corbin Carroll last year who you know, hit the ground running. They have, um, I, I think, Cattell Marte is still around. So, you know, they got that, they got the building block right there. Christian Walker had a great year last year. Um, David, they traded David Peralta. He's not around anymore. But he they, Jake McCarthy is another intriguing guy. One of the fastest guys in the majors, too. 
I think a lot of people don't know that. But they they have a very interesting team. And I can see them maybe making a big play. I like them a lot more than the Rockies. I can tell you that. Now, a couple manager spots filled. Bruce Bochy, I think we both agree that's an A for the Texas Rangers in the American League West. A plus. A plus. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll give it an A plus. But the other one, what's Miami doing with Skip Schumacher? I I hate it. I hate it for the Marlins. If I'm a Marlins fan, I, I'm not a fan. I give it a C grade. I think it's kind of a yeah. I think there's too much I think there's too much unknown there. You know, you don't yeah, know exactly if you're gonna get like. you know, uh sometimes these things work out, but it seems like more often than not, sometimes uh it kinda tends to go the other way. And so I'm I just I I think if you're a Marlins fan you probably wish the team would have gone and gotten maybe somebody that's a little bit more established than a guy that we don't know anything about as far as how he's going to be uh, as a manager. Yeah, it's just, that's why I give it a C grade, because I have no reason to think that Skip Schumacher is going to be this disastrous manager, but I also, there's no reason to think he's, you know, the right move there for the Marlins. I just, I don't know a whole lot about him. I don't really follow the Cardinals that much, so I don't know how, much he like gels with like the players on the team wasn't he the bench coach with the cardinals last year i believe so yeah yeah so i mean my sister is a cardinals fan maybe she would know a little bit more about skip schumacher <laughs> and the kind of guy he is in the dugout but i know skip is a player was pretty good you know? yeah i mean so and he's absolutely jacked too. yeah yeah so <laughs> i mean that that's cool that that's, doesn't tra- that doesn't necessarily translate into managerial success and as far as you know like bench <laughs> coaches go i mean you, you just you don't really you don't really know but sticking with the marlins is alcantara gonna get moved over the winter i think if the marlins i know is- they say no i mean i know they've you know stab pat say that you know sandy's he's gonna be staying here in miami but if you are the Marlins, is now the time to sell? Because, I mean, you're probably not going to the playoffs this year or next. I mean, there are some nice pieces there. But if you realistically look at it, is now the time just to sell and get what you can in return for one of the pitchers that's doing what nobody else is doing right now, which is pitching complete games and shutouts? I think the Marlins might actually have to seriously consider that because, you know, if you're the Marlins, you look at your competition there in the division and the Braves are not going to be bad anytime soon. I think the Phillies are proven that, you know, they're, they're, they're a very good team. And the Mets, you know, I understand the Mets are losing some players of free agency, but there's no reason to think Steve Cohen's not going to continue to open up the checkbook and just sign everyone back. So there's basically what I'm saying there is that the Mets will probably be competitive next year too. So the Marlins, you know, they, they're they not going to be able to compete with all of that in the NL East. So maybe they do have to seriously think about, you know, we have this pitcher, Sandy Alcantara, is one of the most valuable pitchers in the majors right now. We could get a heck of a haul for him. They might have to seriously think about pushing the big red button and – you know, sending out Alcantara for a slew of prospects. Well, and if you're a team that's, you know, potentially looking for starting pitching, 
um, he's really a bullpen guy as well because, you know, if he's pitching into the eighth, ninth inning and you're not having to pull a starter after five innings, which is kind of the standard that we're looking for in Major League Baseball right now, I mean, he holds a lot of value as far as being able to save a bullpen. And obviously, Miami wasn't able to capitalize with it, but that can really be a weapon for a team, um, especially with the way that the game's played now. Oh, I know, especially, you know, they're not going to do an in-division trade with the Phillies, but a team like the Phillies, I think, would love to have Alcantara on their team, a team that doesn't really have a very strong bullpen. So if you can have, you know, put a guy like Alcantara into your rotation who works deep into games, if not pitching the the whole entire thing, you know, it's it's a super valuable thing to have. But any team is going to be looking to get somebody like Alcantara. That's not a guy that's just you know, good for a certain amount, it seems. Like, every team is going to want to get their hands on that. Now, just reckless speculation and everything as far as next year goes, what do the Baltimore Orioles have to do this offseason to be one of the top two teams in the American League East? Well, the easy answer is to say spend some money. But I'm not, <laughs> I I'm don't not. like to spend, but... but. <laughs> I'm not sure the Orioles are quite there just yet. I know so many people groan at that, be like, oh, come on, they won like 83 games last year. It was a big improvement. But, you know, Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, those guys are just rookies right now. You know, they have have a lot of team control left, and they got guys like Grayson Rodriguez who haven't even come up yet. Um, I don't think the time is right for the Orioles to spend some money, like we'll spend a lot of money. I think you, I think a more reasonable expectation for the Orioles is maybe by like twenty twenty, maybe even maybe twenty twenty four, honestly. But I don't think, I don't think there's really much the Orioles can do right now to be a top two team in the AL East especially when you have the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Rays and whatever the Red Sox end up doing. I don't know, but (laughs) they're worth pointing out. They're the Red Sox. But so, I don't know. Maybe that's a very poor take in your eyes, but I, I don't see the Orioles being a top two team in the AL East. I think if they decide to spend that potentially, but, you know, it's going to have to be, they're going to have to get some star power. Um, because they kind of have the pieces now, but I think they need a couple of big-name guys to kind of really take them over the top and put them in a position to compete in a highly, highly competitive American League East. You know, Toronto's probably going to make some more moves. Boston is not going to stand pat. I hate the narrative that, oh, Boston doesn't have the money to do this and that, and that's kind of been floated around here with, you know, some of the deals and stuff that they have, but... It's Boston. They're going to spend. They're going to spend in the offseason. So, um, you know, all those teams are going to improve. Tampa, I I think, may take a couple of steps back if, you know, they have a really good model and they've shown that they've always kind of been able to do it. But just can never rule out the Rays, man. Yeah. You always look at them and think, how are they doing it? But they keep doing it every year. Yeah. So, you know, maybe Toronto just ends up being. Toronto of old and kind of not quite hitting those expectations and the Orioles are able to sneak in there. I don't know. It's uh, AL East is always kind of hard to predict because, you know, you've got 
basically it feels like all teams in that division can win it. You know, you feel like all five of those teams, if they're in any other division, can win it. So, um, but yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see how that all kind of plays out over the offseason. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Ryan. That'll do it for this edition of Rob Logic. We'll see you next time.